Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. July 19th, 1977, the world teacher, the Christ Maitreya, head of the spiritual hierarchy, emerged from his ancient retreat and is now in the modern world. With his disciples, the masters of the wisdom, he will inaugurate the new age of synthesis and brotherhood. Good morning and welcome to our World Teacher Programme on Wellington's Access Radio 106.1 FM presented by Teresa and David on behalf of Share International New Zealand. Today's programme features two articles by the late Reverend Howard Ray Carey. Benjamin Krem said of him that he is, quote, that unusual combination, a Methodist minister who is also a student of the esoteric teachings and so can shine a revealing light on the esoteric tradition on the symbolic stories and events of the Christian Bible. He is thus the most valuable service." End quote. The following article first appeared in Share International December 1982 and is titled Christmas of the Soul and begins That which we celebrate at Christmas, if we have insight, it's not so much an event which took place in Palestine in an ancient time, but rather an event which in both ancient and present times transpires within the human heart, when the individual is spiritually prepared for it. It is an inner drama, you could call it a soul drama. Paradoxically, it is an event rooted in the infinite, but finding expression in the finite. It has its source in the timeless, yet it transpires at a given moment in time. It is a universal reality, yet it happens within the human heart. It is called the first initiation. There are five major initiations leading from the human kingdom, or human level of life, to the spiritual level, the kingdom of God. And Christmas celebrates the first of these five. The second is called the baptism, into greater responsibility, the third the transfiguration, the fourth the complete renunciation or crucifixion, and the fifth the resurrection into full citizenship in the spiritual kingdom or mastership. Christmas, as celebrated in most churches, is clothed in the garments of Christian theology and the trappings of Christian creed. As celebrated commercially, it is wrapped in tinsel and toys, toys like scotch whisky and fur pieces and stuffed stomachs. There is a truer way of understanding it and a better way of celebrating it. On this level we know that this truth which Christmas means is not the exclusive property of any one religion. Parenthetically, it is interesting to note that the events of that first Christmas did not take place among Christians at all 
because Christianity had not yet been established. All the members of the Holy Family were, of course, Jews. But they do not have a corner on Christmas either, for if we just knew it, all families are holy. So that which we celebrate at this season really belongs to all. It is a drama of the inner life, so we are not concerned about those modern Bible scholars who maintain that the birth stories concerning Jesus, which appear in different versions and only in Matthew and Luke, are later additions to the Gospel. As a drama of the inner life, what matters is not whether there was on the physical plane a virgin birth, a new star in the outer sky, and shepherds and wise men. They do, however, represent symbols of inner truths, and this is the reality with which we are concerned. To begin with, what is the meaning of this new birth pictured as taking place in a stable among cattle and other animals? Some would reply, because that is where Jesus was actually born. Possibly he was, but we have no need to enter into that dispute. What the birth in the stable among the animals really symbolises is the fact that this initiation, or new birth, takes place while we are incarnate in a physical or animal body, not while we are on the higher planes between incarnations. It may take place at night while we are on another level of consciousness, and so perhaps be out of the body temporarily. But this divine life has to take root and grow right here in the heart centre of this physical or animal life. Next we are told that Joseph was not the real father of Jesus, but instead that Mary was impregnated by the overshadowing spirit. The biblical literalist insists that it definitely was an immaculate conception and a virgin birth. But on the level we are viewing these matters, it does not matter one way or the other. On the higher level, Joseph represents the concrete or rational mind, and Mary represents the heart centre of our life. Joseph, as the rational mind, is incapable of planting the seed of divine love in the heart centre, which eventually brings the Christ, the divinity within, to birth. That divine seed can come only from the higher nature from the love-wisdom centre represented in the Bible as the overshadowing spirit, which it is. What do the shepherds represent, those who keep watch over their flocks by night? Now, your interpretation of the symbolism of these matters need not agree with mine, but to me the shepherds represent advanced individuals who are sufficiently awake to be aware of the reality of divine birth, of initiation, and sensitive enough to catch the angel song, not with the physical ear, but with the subjective or inner hearing. According to Luke, the spoken word of the first angel to appear included this. Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which will come to all the people. And the heavenly chorus sang, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, good will toward men. Are we awake? Do we listen to that heaven-sent song? We are shepherds, are we not? Or at least called to be such, keeping watch in prayer and meditation over the sleeping flocks, the unawakened ones, during the night of men's suffering. Ponder on that call, that task, that joyous privilege. Let us watch and listen, 
and hear and respond. Let us take our journey to Bethlehem, the place of new birth, of beginning again. Let us kneel in spirit before the glory of the divine life born among men, in the stable, within man's animal nature, a miracle indeed. We are told that higher beings, symbolized by the angels, are present at every real initiation, and there is truly divine melody. Unless we are on the path, we do not listen and are dull of hearing, as Isaiah and Jesus both commented, and we fail to make our journey into the presence of the Christ. What about the star? I'm not interested whether or not a new star appeared in the sky at that time. In reality, those who have witnessed initiation and have conscious memory of it affirm that at a certain point in the ceremony, the star of initiation shines out over the heads of those being initiated. Here is the significance of the Star of Bethlehem. The three wise men, or Magi, reported by Matthew but not by Luke, are, I believe, workers in white magic and probably adepts or very advanced disciples who are present at every initiation. We are told that at such a time three of them form a triangle of light around the new initiate, stepping down the tremendous energy to a more tolerable level. Perhaps these energies are symbolised by the gifts of the Magi, gold, frankincense and myrrh. Gold is a most precious metal, symbolic of the highest values. Alchemists work to transmute baser metals into gold. Truly, when we have undergone initiation, lesser values of life have been transmuted into the gold of higher character. Frankincense represents true beauty, the aesthetic values and dimensions of life. It is when we have risen to the level of initiation that we are in possession of life's real incense. Myrrh was used in ancient times to prepare bodies for burial. It represents pain, suffering and sorrow. Though this may come as a surprise to some, pain also is an important element in the life of the initiate. Far from being spared pain as we advance in life, we come to experience it on a higher level, a sharing in the suffering of bruised humanity. This is a redemptive level of pain in which we can all share and will do so increasingly. Myrrh cannot be left out of the gifts. Finally, what about Herod, who, according to Matthew, tried to destroy the newborn babe? As we ponder this question, we become aware that Herod represents the lower life, the lower desires. These, like Herod, are possessive of their power over us and are loath to give it up. Herod is told, and these lower forces become aware, that Christ is born to grow and to reign. But Herod will do all in his power to prevent this. Who gives the needed protection to this new initiate, the babe in Christ, the little one as the Bible calls the fledgling initiate? Here is where Joseph, the rational mind, comes in. This concrete mind cannot fertilise the heart centre with the divine seed and cannot, like Mary, give birth. But the concrete mind does have its real value. Instructed from above, as Joseph was instructed by angels, it forms an important part of the holy family of our nature, providing protection from all above for the new life. 
This might be called the protection of common sense, or practical good judgment. Thus the new life, born and growing in the heart centre, is kept from going off the deep end, as we sometimes say, and being destroyed. Also, do not forget Mary, the love of the heart, for the heart and head need to be always in harmony and cooperation in order for the new life within us to grow to maturity and truly reign in our life. You're listening to the World Teacher Programme on Wellington's Access Radio 106.1 FM. Our next article by Howard Ray Carey is sourced from Share International magazine, February 1983. It's titled, The Choice is Always Ours, and begins... More than 2,000 years ago, a fiery leader of ancient Israel spelled out multiple choices to his people. Then he gave them this challenge. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24.15 Joshua's concept of God may not have been as high or as universal as that which Jesus set forth and embodied in his day nor as comprehensive as we are permitted to embrace today. But he was choosing in accordance with the best he knew. Just as importantly, he was offering his people a freedom of choice, which was rare in his time. Unfortunately, such open freedom appears to be all too rare in our day also. The extreme governmental pressures for conformity applied to so many people in so many parts of the world now are appalling. These demands to conform to the ideology and lifestyle decreed as the only acceptable way of life. These cruel and inhuman measures seek to throttle the free spirit of man, to deprive him of his freedom of choice. But we need to ask, are such repressive systems but the harsh death throes of a slowly dying order? We need to get a complete picture of the world's situation. And to do so, we must shift our gaze to something more vital than the repressive measures being applied by so many governments and by some religious authorities. From some points of view, it is amazing and refreshing to see today how many people all around the world are refusing to knuckle under to any and every kind of repressive authority, no matter how great the cost. We may be inclined to wince a bit when we see how high the cost of free choice turns out to be in so many places, a price often exacted in terms of incarceration, torture and even death. But if we can see all this in terms of man's invincible spirit, victorious, as the Bible puts it, over sin and death, we may be greatly encouraged. In New Testament times we find the account, recorded in the book of Acts, of how the Sanhedrin, the high court in Jerusalem, decreed that the apostles or friends of Jesus would not be permitted to share the good news of Christ by speaking in his name. The response of those brave souls has been an inspiration to courageous and aspiring souls ever since. In the face of such repression, they couched their reply in these unmistakable words. As for us, we must obey God rather than men. 
How inspiring is the courage they embodied? Most followers of Christ like to be law-abiding citizens of whatever country they live in, and in most cases they truly are. But when conscience seems to require an act of civil disobedience, we have our charter for such an act in the New Testament. Most of those disciples eventually paid with their lives for their high choices and the fearless acts which followed. But all indications are that they did it in a spirit of love, of joy and of victory. Perhaps Paul expressed for all the apostles the true calibre of their dedication when he said, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuse in order that I may be found in him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Not that I have already attained this, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and striving forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Let those of us who are mature be thus minded. Perhaps one reason I have been impelled to quote extensively from this letter which Paul wrote to the church he had founded in Philippi is that this letter was written in prison when Paul was facing possible execution for his brave stand for Christ. Even in such circumstances, the choice for him was ever clear. Indeed, in that same letter he wrote, Even if I am to be poured out as a libation upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. It is great to get a lift from the courageous choices of men of the past, as well as brave souls today. But to bask in the reflection of their glory is not enough. The challenges must be faced directly by us today, both individually and collectively. Choose this day whom you will listen to and to whom you will serve. Will we take the way of doubt and fear? Will we yield to the tempting nether voices which whisper, Maybe it is not so. Maybe the Christ Maitreya is not present in a physical, indestructible body. Maybe that is too much to expect. Perhaps we have to settle for less, for the old order of things under which we wanely hope for a better day and for some other form of release from the terror and starvation which stalks our world. But we do not have to settle for that fear-inspired scenario. The choice still is ours. Dare we accept the strong assurances which Maitreya gives us, base our thoughts and lives on them? Let us attune ourselves to strong words such as these from message number 134. Try to believe, my friends, that I am here. Try to accept that your brother of old is among you and take up the challenge I give to you. Help me and help your brothers to make known my presence. Take the simple step of trust and awaken to your true worth. Many await me in fear, knowing not the cause of their confusion. My friends, where fear stands, trust may not. Why then hold to fear? My presence is apparent all around you. Awaken to that fact. Open your eyes to the changes in your world, in your own heart, in the light of joy in your child's eye. 
Know that I am with you in these ways, my friends, and help save the world. Your cries have been heard. Your longings have reached my heart. Your pain is mine. My treasure shall I bestow on you. What have we to lose but our fears and our chains, binding us to an outmoded past? Of course we may have to put up with the pity of well-meaning friends who fear we have gone off our rocker. Perhaps the scorn of the worldly wise who may proclaim that we are deluded in listening to what they consider such drivel. Or the blast of the so-called orthodox who pontificate about the Antichrist. But what a small price to pay in comparison to the fiery courage of a St. Paul or the sacrificial love of a Mother Teresa and countless others of our own day. Let us not forget that indeed the choice is always ours. May we joyously choose to be numbered with those who stand up and affirm, As for me and those who march with me under the banner of this new day, we will serve the Lord in his way of sharing, of justice, of brotherhood and of love. For we see no other way except that of chaos and destruction. And after all, what is that but anti-God, anti-Christ and anti-humanity? That concludes that article, and now, to finish our program, we'll play a part of Maitreya's message number three, as given through Benjamin Krem. Good evening, my dear friends. I am happy to be able to speak to you once more, and to tell you I come to take you with me into the new country the country of love the country of trust of beauty and freedom. I shall take you there if you can follow me. Accept me. Let me lead and guide. And if this be so, together we shall build a new world. A world in which men can live without fear, without mistrust, 
without division. Sharing together the earth's bounty. Knowing together the bliss of union with our source. All this can be yours. You have only to take the first steps and I may lead. Allow me to help you. Allow me to show you the way forward into a simpler life where no man lacks where no two days are alike where the joy of brotherhood manifests through all men. Mine is the task to lead and guide, but you willingly must follow. Otherwise, I can do nothing. My hands are tied by law. The decision rests with mankind. And that's our program for today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about the World Teacher Maitreya and the Masters of Wisdom, please call us on 06 or visit the website share-international.org. To inquire about Share International magazine subscriptions, books by Benjamin Krem, or our monthly free of charge newsletter. The number is 04234 or write to P.O. Box 9576 Wellington. Thank you for listening to us on Wellington's Access Radio 106.1 FM and please tune in to our next World Teacher Program on Saturday the 22nd of January at the usual time of 10am. On behalf of everyone at Share International New Zealand, we wish you a safe and happy Christmas and blessings for the new year. You can listen again to this program and previous ones by visiting our website at share-international-nz.info and click on the radio tab. Thank you.
That programme was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.